You're listening to the Better for America podcast presented by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Hello, everybody. I'm Rebecca Weber, and this is your AMAC podcast, Better for America. Today, I have with me my friend, uh, an AMAC spokesman, Bobby Charles, Robert Charles. He'll be co-hosting with me today. Uh, Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Always a pleasure, Rebecca. Excellent. For those of you who, who are watching who don't know Bobby, uh, Bobby served in the Reagan and Bush 41 White Houses. He was Assistant Secretary of State under Colin Powell, a counsel to the U.S. House National Security and Subcommittee. And he's also a former litigator. He taught at, uh, the law at Harvard University's Extension School. And I love your book, Bobby, Eagles and Evergreens. That book is wonderful. Uh, welcome again. Uh, I want to talk to you and to our listeners today about a whole lot of things. There's so much going on today. It's hard to imagine that we live in the same America that we were living in uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, and with the new administration, we see so many things that are happening uh, I think the news is just um, really kind of uh, frightening and uh, lots of negativity. But, you know, I've been talking to people and saying it's so important that we pay attention uh, and that we stay informed, uh, even though it's hard sometimes to do that when things seem so bleak. Um, one of the most recent uh, pieces of um, a bill that I'm very, very concerned with, Bobby, and I want you to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about it, uh, that is H.R. 127. Uh, this is a very bad, bad bill, um, but I want to just turn that right over to you and have you let us know. I know you've been studying, you've been keeping on top of H.R. 127. What do we need to know about this bill? Yeah, so great question and very emblematic bill to talk about. We, uh, you know, up on our site, amac.us, people can see a lot of what we write, and there is a piece on H.R. 127. You know, um, I, we are blessed to have lived long enough, those of us who are part of AMAC, to have seen what normal is really like, uh, to have lived through uh, Ronald Reagan and, and some of the great times of the past. And I think we have to, one of the things, you know, we lost Rush recently, and there's a piece up on some of the 10, the 10 lessons that Rush Limbaugh taught. But one of them is you have to stay uh, confident and you have to stay positive when things are uh, coming down around you. And, and frankly, it's a, it's a lesson that Colin Powell taught. You know, I uh, sat with him every, every day or almost every day for 450 days. And, you know, he'd been on point in Vietnam, as had his deputy, Rich Armitage. And you have to keep your spirits up. I mean, it's a it's a fact uh, of life that you will not achieve what you want to achieve in terms of protecting your own liberties, your own family, uh, your own peace of mind. If you don't just keep your spirits to at least, uh, you know, find a good reason every day to remember what normal is and remember that we can get back there. So 127, this particular bill, and, and again, my perspective on this is uh, flavored, I guess I'll say, uh, Rebecca, by having run a committee, the Oversight Committee, for about five years. So I looked at legislation every day all the time. And at the time, our speaker was Newt Gingrich, and he was very determined. And we, we had good ideas that we were pushing forward uh, in a House that was controlled by Republicans. And hopefully after 2022, we'll see that again. Why is this bill so special? Because it is emblematic of how our fundamental rights 
are being boldly and frontally challenged. And what do I mean by that? Uh, here you've got a bill that's been introduced in the House. It will almost certainly get out of the House, uh, and it should be stopped in the Senate. We will hope and we will pray and we will truly work to make sure that it is stopped in the Senate. Um, but it's a bill that essentially comes directly at the Second Amendment. And it says, uh, in order to buy a gun in the future, you'll need a psychiatric evaluation, you'll need uh, to be certified, you'll have to have, uh, you'll have to uh, buy insurance uh, that covers the gun, uh, anything that happens, you will have to identify, and this is how intrusive it is, you'll have to identify not only the make of the gun and all everything about the firearm, but you will have to identify where you keep it in your house, its value, etc. With the result that, you know, imagine if you had to do that for your jewelry, if you had to do that for your car keys, you know, where in the house is it? Well, every crook in the world is going to want to know where is it? I can make a quick and easy in and out and take your firearm when you're not there. But it goes far, far deeper than that. It, it, it says that the government can confiscate your firearms if they determine uh, that for a whole list of reasons, you really don't warrant it and uh, either voluntarily or involuntarily are hospitalized. Um, it can be for depression. It could be for addiction. It could be for any number of things that, uh, that, that cross a human life uh, uh, in the course of time. You're also not allowed to uh, pass it on to a child or to a, that is to say, pass it forward, inheritance. You're not allowed to, without the attorney general's permission. You can't loan it to someone without their permission. Imagine going out and hunting, uh, I don't know, quail or partridge with his grandson. You can't hand that, you can't give, you can't give it to him and, and give, him a, give him a lesson. Uh, you know, it, it's such a contrast. So on the one hand, our values and the Second Amendment itself is being fundamentally challenged. And so show, to show you how absurd this bill is, Rebecca, the Democrats who have always argued against mandatory minimum sentences when they were applied for counter-narcotics reasons, uh, if you traffic in large quantities of drugs, uh, under state law and under federal law, you can be put in prison for a set period of time. Um, they always argued that was unfair. And I, in any event, without getting into that, they actually impose mandatory minimums up to 30 years imprisonment for not getting your license for your gun. Um, it's absurd. And, and up to, I think, $50,000 uh, in fines. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to intimidate the American people. And let's That's take that. That's exactly right. And, and our so members are, Bobby, our members are fed up with it. Uh, the yep. universal background check, for example, is, is the real concern for me and for, for AMAC members, as we should be concerned, because essentially they're taking your name, they've got your address, and uh, what is the purpose of, of really uh, having this universal gun registry? Uh, it means that the government can stage a midnight raid uh, and they really can do that. And if people don't believe that they can do that, they, they certainly could. And they can actually take our guns. You're right about intimidation. I think the positive message that you mentioned earlier too, Bobby, about uh, you know remaining optimistic is people need to remember they're not alone. And that's why I'm so... Uh, each and every day that I wake up, I feel like we're making a difference because we've got over 2 million AMAC members that are saying, uh, thank God I've got millions of, of individual American citizens that uh, stand with me on this issue and an organization that's going to uh, do all we can to be sure that your voice is heard. Uh, but this is certainly, um, this, this, this is uh, probably what they're, de de they're defining this, um, this bill as one of the most aggressive as it relates to um, gun laws. We've got so many good gun laws already, uh, and we just need to make sure that those existing laws are, are followed. 
Uh, I just think that this is such a huge overreach. Any benefit that you see to this? Any benefit to HR 127? Maybe the benefit is that we can have conversations like this about why we should respect the Second Amendment. Um, You know, I, I am probably not that different from a lot of average Americans in that when I was growing up, um, we were uh, we were actually given NRA safe hunter training. Uh, it was a yes. standard practice in Maine. Uh, I got it at the age of 12. I got I learned how to use a firearm before I learned how to drive a car. Um, and in both instances, because I think they're good parallels, if you teach young Americans to be responsible, to be individually accountable, to be trusted, but with that trust uh, to understand there are consequences if you misuse the trust, then what happens is you get a responsible and you get a very, um, you get a civically minded uh, population because and people an empowered say, yeah. individual who, right. who, who, who exactly. learns to have faith in themselves and trust themselves and That's exactly come up right. with their own decision making. Uh, all of that, you're right. I remember my father telling me the same thing, Bobby. I think he was might have been in fifth grade. He showed me an ad in a, in a magazine, a popular magazine, it might have been Life magazine, that encouraged parents, mothers, to teach their young boys and girls, but you know, this was a picture of a young boy, how to properly use a firearm. I don't think that, I think we had a lot less trouble back in the 50s as it relates to um, improper use of guns, right, than we do today. Uh, well, and so you point out something. Yeah. You point out something very interesting. If you go back to the 50s and 60s and 70s, um, more than three quarters of the country owned a firearm. Um, and they were they were they were treated as a um, more of a sportsman's tool than right. they were some sort of a horrific item. And what you found is that people were responsible. I mean, it, it sort of came in two flavors. One is uh, up in Maine, where I grew up. And as you, as you mentioned, the book Eagles and Evergreens really just describes the values that AMAC and others, I think, strongly adhere to, these fundamental all-American values. But we had a snow shovel. Uh, we had a, an axe. We had a mall. We had a... We had, uh, you know, a crowbar and we had a shotgun and they were all just tools that (laughs) you used for good purposes. Right. And so we were taught to be responsible. And by the way, it isn't just about guns. That happens to be the Second Amendment that's under fire. The First Amendment is obviously under fire. Our freedom of speech, uh, our freedom of worship. In fact, uh, you've got these governors in these lockdowns, never mind our ability to make a living and our ability to, to raise a family and go out and do the things that we need to do on a day to day basis assembly but you know interestingly to just reaffirm how how people should look at a lot of these issues and be confident in their own judgment when these governors and some of these city councils have come down and said you can't do this and you can't do that and we're going to mandate this and we're going to mandate that actually the supreme court has stepped up uh, now repeatedly and said no 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 if you're going to open grocery yes. stores you could open churches and they, you will open churches uh, you will allow people to have the fundamental rights and thank god we've got five uh, good conservatives at least on the court and i mean judicial conservatives people who look at the constitution as if it really mattered so you know in the grand scheme of things i step back and i say hr 127 is emblematic of the all out attack on a lot of the fundamental values that we believe are right and true. Um, And historically, by the way, that the Supreme Court over the last two centuries 
has validated, whether it's First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, uh, Sixth Amendment, Tenth Amendment, you know, is under fire. Tenth Amendment is, of course, states' rights, where the states are closer to us. We're closer to them. That's how we influence outcomes. And AMAC has been unbelievable in being able to mobilize just tens of thousands of people in state capitals. Thank you uh, to this our is members. Really, the way I'm, really. I mean, our members, a big shout out because they've been so responsive. Yeah. They have. Yeah. Well, and this is this is what America is made of. You know, if you go back and look at the 1830s and, and you look at uh, Alex de Tocqueville, who was French and he came over here and he he wandered around America and he and he wrote this great book, Democracy in America, two volumes. He says these Americans are just different. They're different from us in Europe because, first of all, they're not afraid of the uncomfortable face to face. That That's is to right. say conversations that have to be had in order to resolve tough issues. We don't do that in Europe, but they do that here in America. He, he said they, they, they're very active in their communities. They're socially active, they're civically active. They're, they have their own different churches, you know, a hundred different churches. They have, they, have their own, they have their own convictions. They raise their families, they educate their families. So all of this was to say that Americans are a unique brand. And I think we, we know we are actually. And I think we know that this Bill of Rights idea is not just an idea, it's important. But I would say it sort of turns a page to a larger conversation. And that conversation is that with the notion that we have to stay confident and we have to stay positive, it is also important to know that we're in a very testing time. We're in a time, I mean, objectively, looking back on this period 20, 30 years from now, people will say that was a testing time a time in which our values are being challenged at home and our values are being challenged abroad. China would, uh, would like nothing better than to dominate the world from space right down to our own educational institutions mm. and these Confucius institutes around the country, uh, from espionage to, uh, to dominating our political process. They would love that. Uh, and so there's a test from abroad. There's a test from abroad in terms of whether we'll stand up for our allies, whether we'll step up for Hong Kong and Taiwan and our European allies and sure. a lot of those who hold our values. So we're being tested both at home and we're being tested abroad. And I think what it takes is for conversations like this to occur all over the country and know that there are, there are groups like AMAC. And AMAC is, again, the fastest growing conservative group in the country. This is an organization that is saying unequivocally, I know my rights. I will defend the truth I know. I will, I will listen. I will also tell you why I believe what I believe. And if you're a member of Congress or a governor or a city council member, don't expect me to abandon the rights of my family. Don't expect me to abandon the individual liberties I'm given. I will step up and Great I will defend point. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby, I'm here in Florida uh, this week. I'll be attending CPAC uh, later this week. Uh, very, very different here in Florida compared to New York. Uh, one of the things that I love is the ladies here, many of them, they have a, a permit, you know, a license to conceal, uh, to carry. Uh, and there is a um, much more relaxed sense uh, in restaurants. Uh, people are wearing masks, but um, restaurants are nearly at capacity or it appears that they're, they're filling up. Uh, the economy is really, it appears to be humming along down here in Florida. There's something, something to be said for the uh, policies that the governor here in Florida has put in place uh, compared to California, for example. Um, it's uh, California's numbers uh, are declining as, as Florida's are, 
but Florida doesn't have those strong mask, uh, you know, requirements. But but getting back to the HR one two seven, really, and what we're seeing here in Florida, uh, states like Florida are just going to be, you know, rattled if if a bill like this is put in place. I mean, in New York, uh, we've got some really really strict state laws in place. Um, but Biden wants to remove the most popular guns in America, like the um, the semi-automatics, AR-15s, guns like that. Uh, it it just seems to me that uh, there are too many people in America that understand that you know, with safe, uh, a proper uh, being taught at a young age and and respecting a gun and understanding uh, that yes, th- this is something that can kill people, but understanding uh, that it is part of our right as an American citizen to protect ourselves and. And um, there's got to be, uh, it just seems to me that the left is is on an attack against the people of America, not so much against looking at where these problems are really coming from, where, you know, why we've got problems here in America. And I think it, it really goes back to a big breakdown in family. Uh, you know, it starts it starts really there with the family. Um that the other thing that Biden wants to do is, is he really wants these gun manufacturers and gun dealers. Um, he wants to put them out of business, it seems, because he wants to loosen the ability for, you know, m- municipalities, for example, for them to, um, to sue, uh, these gun manufacturers. It kind of reminds me of what we saw in the cigarette, uh, the cigarette businesses that were put out of cigarette companies that were put out of business. Um, so, you know, I just want to remind people that we are working on uh, keeping an eye on the, these these bills and certainly going to report all of this to AMAC members. Check out our website because we'll have developing information and news and information on how you can help advocate uh, to protect your Second Amendment right. Um, I want to kind of just touch on H.R. 1 as well, Bobby. You and I spoke at length about H.R. 1. This sort of points to your comment earlier about uh, our freedom of speech, our First Amendment right. Um, H.R. 1 uh, seems to to not only uh, decentralize the election process, right, so they're taking more power away from the state uh, or or burdening the state, uh, micromanaging the way in which states run their elections, but it also interferes with um, our ability, I think, to speak freely because it imposes um, certain, um, it, 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 it doesn't allow for groups like AMAC and other groups to advocate. Uh, it essentially forbids anonymous speech is what I call it, right? So that'll weaken an organization, uh, that is looking to impact, impact public policy. Um, HR one, can you give us an update on where we're at with that, that passed in the house? Yes. So it hasn't been calendared yet, uh, but H.R. 1 is under consideration in the House and almost certainly will pass in the House again with the Democrat control. Um, Boy, you covered a lot of ground there, Rebecca, and and it's good and important ground. You know, I just before moving to H.R. 1 on 127, you you made an excellent point that manufacturers are uh, both ammunition and and, uh, firearms are trying to be put out of business. This is exactly what Harris did when she was a prosecutor in California. Uh, They tried to essentially target the manufacturers and intimidate them as well as intimidating the gun owner and user. Um, And I would note, incidentally, that, you know, if you criminalize the item rather than expecting responsible behavior of the individual, you've really misfired uh, from the get go. Right. Automobiles can be weapons. Uh, We all know that anything can be a weapon. Uh, And, you know, and so it's not about the weapon. It's about it's about how you train a culture 
to be responsible for their behaviors. So moving then to HR1, you're right. The Again, I, I come back to this broad principle that fundamentals are being tested right now. They're trying to push and see how far they can push the average American who's going to be complacent, who's going to say, well, it won't really happen or it won't affect me or or this too will pass. No, that's how liberty is lost. Liberty is lost in increments. It's typically not some overnight event. The Bolshevik revolution was an exception in many ways. It's about the fact that people are taking away, they put a, a hole in the bottom of the bucket and they try to make the hole bigger and bigger so that you lose more and more. So HR1 is another example of a, a frontal attack on American basic liberties. It it essentially takes, as you said properly, two things it, it does. The first thing it does is that it takes the constitutionally state level election process and federalizes it, as we talked about the other day. Right. It does everything from mandating that IDs will not be used to yeah. allowing 16 year olds to register to felons being able to register to all the all the components that would facilitate fraud, such as using DMVs to automatically register voters, even if illegal aliens are the ones that are that are actually doing the registering. And, you know, uh, you know, think about this for a minute. Even that what I just said, the last line there is under attack. There is a Biden proposal that federal employees and all statutes cannot use the word illegal alien. Well, <laughs> well they are oh, illegal gosh. and they are technically legally aliens from out of the country. So foreign 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 origin people which we'd referred to historically and in lots yeah. and lots of legal documents as aliens so right. what are we doing we're <clears throat> they're trying to change the language and they're trying to to attack the fundamental sure rights are. the other piece of hr1 is a shutdown of political speech intimidation again we have to remember you know and i i hesitate to take a, a line from fdr because he was pretty federal in his thinking but you know the only thing we have to fear is fear itself if we give in to fear whether it's appeasing China or trying to sidestep hard conversations here in the United States, then in effect, those that would take our liberties win, right? The piece that HR1 also addresses is that it, it essentially puts out all the information of every donor to every conservative group, every PAC, everybody, with the idea sort of implicit behind that that this will chill your contributions, this will chill your connections, this will cut away the fabric that actually holds us together. And it allows an effect in this day and age for doxing, for someone to show up on your front lawn and uh, give you grief. I mean, this is, this is the way that they're working. And, you know, I'll tell you, Rebecca, one of the life experiences I have for which I'm very grateful um, is that many, many years ago, I spent time behind the Iron Curtain. I spent time in the Soviet Union, uh, in Soviet-dominated Poland during martial law, East Germany, uh, uh, Czechoslovakia. And what did I learn in those couple of years of, of being there? This stuff is real, okay? When Winston Churchill talked about an Iron Curtain coming down, nobody believed him. Nobody believed that liberties could really be stripped away as right. fundamentally, as he mm. said, rightly, they were being. And we're in a moment right now where we have to understand that that iron curtain isn't just geographic. It's actually about ideas. And if you put a curtain down and say, I'm not going to let those ideas be discussed on a college campus. I'm not going to let those ideas be discussed at the grocery store. I'm not going to let those ideas. Boy, I'll tell you, there should be a roar back from the average American because it really should. You know, yeah, it, it, it's matter. so important. The, the kids on, on college campuses, these adults, I should call them on college campuses, 
um, a study showed that they would choose in uh, allowing more people to be included, you know, in uh, you know, not excluding so many groups and everybody getting along, they said is more important, a greater priority than their First Amendment right to free speech. So there is definitely a, a shift in the way young people are thinking. And it's starting in the, in the, in the elementary schools. Sadly, it's, we're seeing it in the high schools and certainly on the campuses. Uh, and we hope and pray that that's just a sign of youth. And that once they're out in the real world and understand these things, that they'll recognize that the more and more you hand over to the government, um, the less freedoms we have. Uh, and this, you know, every American should have the ability to speak anonymously. Uh, if you have a thought or idea, uh, it's not fair that we single people out. I mean, imagine if we had done that in the 50s and 60s and 70s when we saw a lot of good change, uh, you know, but people were able to encourage that without necessarily being targeted. And today, uh, if we're not thinking along the ways that the elite left wants us to think, they're already in power. So it would make sense that uh, at this point in time, they'd say, well, let's keep it so that we remain in power and that other people don't have the ability to um, share their ideas uh, and and gain popularity. We want to quiet that voice. And AMAC's not going to put up with that. I mean, that is just... Um, Everyone should be concerned. And again, this is a lot of negative kind of, I like to talk about positive things and we have so many good, good things to, and hope. There's a lot of hope. One thing too that I read earlier is, you know, it'll take time. It's likely going to take a couple of years before we see some of the major, um, you know, initiatives that the Biden administration has planned to really take effect. And I pray that in 2022 that the American people recognize that we're voting these people in. You know, it's it's the American people that need to vote the right people into office so that we can uh, ensure that when these bills reach the House and the Senate, we have enough smart people that say, wait a minute, this is not what the American people want. And uh, 2022 is going to be so important, very important time uh, for us. And we'll be keeping everyone apprised of who's who. Uh, and who's standing for what, because we are all about the issues, not about the candidates themselves, but about the issues. And I want to ask you a few questions on Biden um, and his his soft approach as it relates to China and Iran. Um, it seems like he's not putting America first. So what should Americans be most concerned about as it relates to uh, America's relationship with China? And if you can touch on Iran as well. Yeah, so again, a great a great question because those are emblematic of what we're facing from abroad. Um, and as we get challenged at home on our value structure, we're also being challenged abroad. And what we would hope is that people would take a page from Theodore Roosevelt or or uh, John Kennedy or Ronald Reagan and say, look, uh, America stands for America. We stand for these values. And if you want a short version of it, the Bill of Rights is a great place to start. And we're not going to tolerate an incursion in our own country by these foreign forces. Uh, we're certainly not going to open up our borders. We're certainly not going to open up our educational institutions. Of course, we've already done that. But the point is, if we stand firm, uh, we can protect ourselves from within. But we also have to protect ourselves from abroad. And how do you do that? You keep your word, for one thing. Our allies are only our allies because they believe that we will stand up with them 
against uh, forces of communism, forces of radical Islam, forces of uh, disintegration and disrespect for human rights and human values. China is a classic example. And Rebecca, you know, to bring China to the fore right now here in this uh, week and month and year, uh, you know, you just average Americans don't know what's going on. So let me tell you what's going on. Within the last three weeks, China has flipped an agreement they had with the Catholic Church and said that the 2018 agreement no longer applies. They will dominate the Christian. Of course, they don't. They barely. They they persecute and and harass uh, any religious believer of any faith. Uh, of course, they've got more than a million uh, Muslims uh, penned up for re-education, deprogramming. Uh, this is the way the communists operate. China today is the modern Soviet Union in many regards because they are a repressor and suppressor of human rights without any accountability. So the first thing they've done in the last three weeks is they've they've basically started to re persecute Christians in a very aggressive way. They've announced that their Coast Guard ships will now be allowed to fire on anyone in the South China Sea. So these are these are international trade lanes. Uh, where will that go? It's a reckless act. Where will it go? It depends on how it gets operationalized. They're prosecuting in a show trial seven democracy protesters in Hong Kong. They have initiated mass arrests in Hong Kong in the last four weeks. Uh, basically, anybody who's trying to speak up for uh, the basic rights we're talking about here. And that was an autonomous uh, uh, region uh, by international treaty. They completely threw that out the door. Um, they have, um, you know, the sequence of things that they're working through, they have, they have outlawed uh, just last week, they outlawed, they threw BBC out of the country. They outlawed in mainland China, a number of Western media outlets, and then they forced Hong Kong to out, get rid of the same Western media outlets. They are, uh, as we know, uh, they are uh, just ruthlessly persecuting uh, the uh, Uyghurs in, in uh, and, 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 and it, you know, Secretary Pompeo called it genocide. And frankly, Tony Blinken, currently the, the Secretary of State, couldn't really back away from that. You know, the fear I have uh, and Iran, of course, is pushing the envelope, trying to get a nuclear weapon. God forbid they get a nuclear weapon. Uh, we obviously have programs underway to defend against that. But the notion that Biden would go back in, which he's doing, and try to re-entitle them uh, to a kind of a, a timeline where they can develop it is absurd. I mean, we, you know, you can't trust these people at all. And so how would you, why would you go in and negotiate with someone that you know from the get-go you can't trust? Again, we can't be naive. We can't be, uh, we can't be kind of uh, lost in the idealistic notion that somehow all these people are our friends. And if we just uh, trade with them and get cheaper things at uh, the local store, then it'll all be worthwhile. No, this is how freedoms go away. You ignore them, you set a precedent, you, you invite by appeasement, you, you invite people to take extra risks and to incur further. If China gets away with what they're doing in Hong Kong, if they get away with intimidating Taiwan, and in the last three weeks, they have twice unprecedented in recent history. They have twice uh, mobilized uh, more than a dozen fighters and bombers and sent them around Taiwan's airspace to intimidate them. If the way it works in public diplomacy and in broader diplomacy is if, if you send a message to China or Iran that we will tolerate these uh, illegal and immoral and, and internationally illegal acts, then what happens is all the other actors, people are smart, even the bad guys are smart. And Russia says, well, 
if they're not if they can get away with it so can i oh no, yeah right yeah if they're, if they're not going to defend taiwan even though they say they will then maybe i should look at some of the baltic states maybe i should look at georgia again maybe and so the or ukraine and so the point is it really matters words matter and our defense of rights both domestically and who we stand for internationally matters. Sure. I have a piece coming out, as you know, Rebecca, this week yes. uh, on, a, on, a, on a trip I took to Normandy many years ago and stood on the beaches of Normandy. And I will tell you that whether you walk through a military cemetery in your own hometown or you go to the beaches of Normandy, it reminds you not only that freedom is not free, but that being the recipient of all these freedoms, being the blessed person, the blessed generation who yes. comes to enjoy these freedoms, a tremendous burden lies on us to defend them in order to properly pass them forward. The World Amen. War II generation is dying off. The Korean War generation isn't too far behind. It will call, it will fall on us and it will fall on our children to say, no, we will not let all of that sacrifice be bled away be be um you, you know be in be, be be lost we will stand up and we will defend these rights too and the you know the gratifying thing is i'm always amazed that there are young people out there yes. uh, not only in the generation as the amac generation i call it but in what i'll call the coming amac generation uh those who there is a body of young people who see very clearly what uh, World War II uh, really passed on to us. They see clearly what Ronald Reagan stood for. They read, um, you know, and I would just encourage if you're looking for some optimism, reread, uh, you know, Miracle in Philadelphia, a great story about the Constitutional Convention, or reread some of the volumes, you know, a great trilogy just came out on World War II by Rick Atkinson. It will hearten you because you realize that these values are timeless, that defending them really does matter, but it also works. If you step up as a group of people, many, many hands makes light the load and you step up and you, you defend them, others will come round you. I mean, and Rebecca, right. how many people you talk to and you'll be at CPAC yeah. and your voice will be heard. And you know, every one of our members' voices, if it's heard by just one more person that could become a member, if it's heard by one more person or community that, uh, that doesn't realize that they're not alone, uh, that is such a vital, fundamental aspect of winning the big war of ideas. And your dad- It is so important. And I love yes. that message. I mean, history, it's so important that we remember our history and that we, uh, we, we ensure that our children are being taught history. Uh, there seems to be a turning away from the truth of our history. And uh, that is a really great point. So reading as much information as possible, but getting to really good books of trusted authors uh, don't necessarily get your information in little bits and pieces on uh, a website that you cannot trust because there is so much false information out there. And that leads me, I want to remind people, we are working so hard behind the scenes to bring to you the AMAC News app. This news app will include so much in-depth articles uh, from real journalists, folks like Bobby Charles that does a phenomenal job writing for AMAC you can find more of Bobby's uh, articles. Matter of fact, that article that you wrote uh, really touched my heart. I loved it. Uh, and, and it really certainly reminds us of how lucky and blessed we are uh, to have been born in a free country. And we want to make sure that our country is free for our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, 
and and uh, you know those future generations to come. But this news app, I'm very excited. In about two weeks, we'll be launching that. Uh, it'll be a pilot launch, uh, but this will be a news app that folks can easily download on their smartphone. You'll be able to share information and articles with friends and family, and it will be the kind of news uh, and information that you. Unfortunately, you're not getting in a whole lot of places, so keep an eye out for that. And for all of you listening, if you haven't joined or renewed your AMAC membership, we encourage you to do so for $16 a year, right? I think that's it's a decent uh, amount of money. You get a lot of member-saving benefits that'll save you 10 times over that $16 investment. You'll also get a, a bi-monthly magazine, the AMAC Advantage magazine, Hopefully you all were pleased with our cover. Uh, we were, Bobby, we put uh, Donald Trump on the cover of this last magazine, as you know, and uh, we, we were afraid that it might get taken out of, you know, out of mailboxes. So we covered it with a wrap, um, uh, which was kind of a, a last minute decision to make. But I think it was a smart decision because so many people, sadly, if you, uh, if you side with any of Trump's policies, you know, you're, you're being accused of spreading misinformation. But uh, we're going to continue to fight on that front. So join or renew your AMAC membership at amac.us. Bobby, I'll turn it to you for any parting words. Yeah, I just want to back up your message, Rebecca. And I will tell you that what I have learned, I mean, having worked in Reagan's White House and Bush 41, and then eventually, you know, as an assistant secretary of state, is that AMAC is the natural, is the natural defender of those Reagan rights. And it, when you join AMAC, you really get two things, trust and power. Um, what do you get with trust? You, you know that what you're reading is true. It is thoughtful. It is real. It is not uh, twisted in order to satisfy some external force or to satisfy a social yeah. media outlet or to make sure that, you know, it's uh, all within the lines. No, right. it's, it's real free speech. And the second thing you get is the power to influence the future. By AMAC membership, the way I see it, um, we're constantly, hundreds of bills are influenced in the House and the Senate by what we do. And at the state legislatures, the public dialogue is directly affected by what AMAC says and does. Fastest growing conservative organization in the country, 2.3 million members now. Yeah, coming up it's on 2.4. And, and we've got our annual report on our website for yes. 2020. So just to your point, you can see exactly what we did in 2020. Uh, we've outlined it all, and uh, you can download that right from our website, amac.us or amacaction.org. Uh, I think it's easily, uh, it's right on the homepage of amacaction.org. That's where folks should go. But thank you for bringing that up, Bobby. And to all of you listening, I want to say thank you so much. I, I love I love hosting with Bobby. He's got such great experience, uh, foresight, and uh, he's got his, his eye on things. You're keeping us surprised. And um I really look forward to having you back with me again next week, Bobby. Always a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Excellent. And to all of you listening again, thank you for joining us today on AMAX podcast, Better for America. And we look forward to having you back with us again next time. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Better for America podcast. To learn more about AMAC and all it has to offer, visit us at www.amac.us.